Welcome to Dr. Cheryl's Pod Couch, where we have mental health conversations with transparency. After you're done listening to this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. Reviews are everything. Today, I am so excited to have on Joanne Crone, who is a parenting expert who helps moms feel confident in different areas of parenting, from raising empowered kids to accomplishing personal goals. An accomplished writer, podcast host, and speaker appearing in national media and who is the founder of the blogging site, noguiltmom.com. Joanne is a former elementary school teacher with a master's degree focused in curriculum and instruction, as well as a board certified middle childhood education leader. Welcome, Joanne. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. And just yes, talk with you're, you, because like we know each other and talked already. I know. It's me on your <laughs> podcast, which is so great, No Guilt Mom. Um, but now you get to be on mine to talk about your awesome book, Drama Free Homework. People are going to love this. Yes, let's do it. I wrote the book to like take away some of that anxiety that parents feel around homework time, because there was so much... Uh, so many complaints I heard about homework and so much frustration that homework causes in the home in terms of like the fights with kids or kids just uh, like breaking down in the middle of it and saying this negative self-talk to themselves and parents just didn't know what to do or how to handle it. Uh, and so I, ho- I wrote the book in the hopes that it would give more people confidence and also a game plan for like when all these homework struggles kind of came up. Well, I love that. You start off um, the book in your chapter one with your own personal story um, when you got into the world of homework with your own real life daughter who was in kindergarten at the, at the time, who was only four years old. And um, you kind of start off with that story, which is great because I think then we're like, okay, we can all relate. But then you talk about how instead of maybe being against homework, we should approach it as an opportunity to teach kids valuable skills in life. So I like that, um, that paradigm perspective that you propose, but can you talk about what the skills are that the kids can be taught and what your position is on homework? Sure. So as a teacher, um, I didn't have kids in school when I was a teacher. I mean, my daughter was born my first year of teaching. And then uh, throughout, like I, I taught for five years in public school. I mean, she was in preschool. She had no homework. I had no idea what the situation was like for parents. So I would hear a lot of pushback against homework, um, especially in popular media, you know, the case against homework, uh, how homework is ruining our families, those kind of headlines. And as a teacher, I always saw homework as like something else, something that kids could use to uh, practice responsibility and all these other skills. And I didn't quite realize what those were until my daughter started kindergarten and she came home uh, with her homework. And I thought it was going to be like this like wonderful situation where like she'd sit down, I'd have a snack ready. Like I, my son was a week old at the time my daughter started kindergarten. So I was postpartum. I was like, it was a C-section, like huge scar in my stomach. And here I pictured this ideal homework scenario. Well, like five minutes in, my daughter was like crying on the couch saying, I don't want to do homework. Like, this is horrible. And then as the week went on, it just got worse and worse. And she'd like fling herself on the couch and uh, just cry. And your heart hurts as a parent when you see your child go through that. And it was then that I realized I'm like, okay, 
this is what people are saying when they're complaining about homework. Like this is the situation that they are seeing in their homes. Uh, so I thought back to my days in the classroom. I'm like, okay, well, what could I do with a student who was struggling like this? What would I do? I came up with this game plan and we totally changed my daughter's homework skills around so that now she's in seventh grade. She, I don't touch homework. I haven't touched homework for seven years with her. Um, and my son's in second grade and we went through the same process with him. I don't touch homework. They do it on their own. Some of like the valuable skills that they're practicing in homework are first prioritization. It's learning, okay, what do I need to give my full attention to right now? And what can I kind of let go? Like a big, big uh, question I get from parents is, oh my gosh, my daughter gets like these reading questions for homework. You know, it's the type of thing where you have to read the paragraph and then answer these questions about it and write in complete sentences. And they say, she doesn't care. Like she just writes down anything. And I'm like, well, yeah, because she probably like doesn't prioritize that. She doesn't feel the need that that's like something that she should give her full attention to which is completely okay because we do that as adults too. We know, hey, this is what needs our full attention and our best effort. And this is what we can kind of like do the minimum and get by. So practicing that, we practice prioritization and homework. Uh, time management. How can we do stuff that we don't like in as little time as possible to get the stuff we do like done? It's kind of a fact of life and time management. We have like in my business in particular, Oh my gosh, anything having to do with sales tax, please like just make it go away. I don't want to do it. Kids see the same thing in their homework. Some things they don't want to do, but other subjects they like, and it's great. So we learn to manage our time. Perseverance is another one. How do we push through the hard, which we see a lot in homework? How do we push through that struggle and get to the other side? And then the joy of work, like determining, well, what do we like? And what don't we like? And sometimes we have to go through a lot of things that we don't like to find like what really sparks our interest and what our joy is and what we get like this great appreciation of. So like those are the skills that I feel like kids could really practice in homework. Now saying that there are some like caveats to that. Um, as far as my position in homework, I am for homework with three like big things. First, the homework needs to be meaningful. It can't be just like writing a spelling word 30 times. Like I'm not in favor of that homework. Or like we had this horrible spelling packet that we used to make our kids do, um, our elementary schoolers. I mean, they'd have to write down each word they missed on the pretest five times and they have to color code it. And it wasn't until our math coach took like us teachers aside and she's like, so if you got this as homework, what would you think of it? And I was like, well, it'd make me pretty mad. And that's like when I first discovered, okay, this is not meaningful homework. And for kids to actually be engaged and do it, it needs to be meaningful. It needs to be something where like in math, if they learn a skill in the classroom and they like almost they're at the point of mastery at the skill or they know it enough where they can use like their notes or the practice problems they did in class to do it. And then they practice that at home. That's meaningful homework. The second thing is it has to be appropriate for the amount of time for the age of the child. So a great guideline I like to give is the one by the PTA, which says 10 minutes per year of school for homework. So like kindergarten and first graders, no more than 10 minutes of homework. Like if it goes over that, that's like a reason to call the school or call the teacher and start having those conversations about like, okay, well, what is this homework for? Or 
like, here's what I'm seeing at home and here's how long it's taking us. What do you think about that? Like, that's a great, great conversation to have. Um, same goes for like second graders, 20 minutes, third graders, 30 minutes. Like it's a great baseline to say, does my child really have a too much homework or is this appropriate for the grade level? And then the third, kids should be able to do homework on their own. Like this shouldn't be a reason for parents to sit down and reteach what the kid learned in class. Cause I feel that's happening in a lot of families, especially with common core math is that kids bring home math. They're sitting here at their desk. They're like, I don't know how to do it. And so mom and dad go and they look at YouTube videos and they try to reteach this whole math that they never learned. So they don't understand fully. And it's this whole huge stressful situation. So with those three things, meaningful homework, appropriate amount of time and kids knowing how to do it on their own, I say homework could be a really, a really beneficial thing. So what if though the situation is the teacher does assign, let's just say it checks all those boxes. It's meaningful. Mm -hmm. It should only take, you know, the appropriate amount of time, but your kid takes longer than the allotted time. I mean, there's so many times where the words coming out of my mouth after school are, this shouldn't be taking this long. If you would just mm -hmm. sit and focus, we would have been done with this a half an hour ago, you know? So then what do you say to that? So that is something that we hear a lot. So when we talk about refocusing kids and homework and how long homework takes for kids, uh, it depends on the child and the reason why it's taking that long. Parents kind of go into the role of detective then to figure out, okay, well, why is it taking my child so long to do homework? Is it that they don't sit down and like actually focus their attention on homework? Like they sit down and do homework and then they're looking on YouTube or they're looking at the cat and like playing with the cat across the room. Is that the reason? Or is the reason something where maybe they're having an academic struggle? Like maybe it's reading or maybe it's, uh, it's with math and not knowing the basic skills needed to do that problem. So totally depends on the child. And for that, I would say first, um, I'm gonna give you a few like tricks to put in the homework routine. Um, but then after those, and if those don't work, that's a good opportunity to talk to the teacher and say like, hey, like I'm seeing this at home. Are you seeing this in the classroom? And many times when parents do that, the teacher will be saying, oh, I don't see that at all in the classroom. That is a good indication that the kid is not struggling academically. So that's really good news. Uh, and then the next step would just be to be like, okay, well, what do you do in the classroom to like keep them focused? And what do you recommend I do? And the teacher will have like specific strategies to use with your child that they've also used in class. So that's what I would suggest because it depends so much on the child. It does. And I know there's a lot of variables, but one of the fun things about your book is you talk about having these like homework personality types. And I thought that was um, true and sort of comical as well. But can you talk about each of the types and then some tips that you have in there to deal with each of those personality types? Sure. So as I was researching this book and talking to parents, I saw like there were trends that came up in how kids dealt with homework. And so I grouped those trends together and I labeled them as these personality types. Uh, so the first personality type is the quick quitter. And the quick quitter will look at the homework. They'll like look at it for like a second or two and be like, I don't get it. Like it's too hard. It's too much. <laughs> and then usually what happens, like what I used to do is I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, this is okay. This is going to be great. Here's how you do it. You first do this, you do that. You do... And then what happens? The kid just pushes back, pushes back with everything they have. Or mom or dad ends up doing all their homework for them. 
and like leads them through all the problems and the kid never has to put any challenge in or have any struggle or any thought. And it's something that we get into as parents. So one of the things we really, really, really want to um, and, and like strengthen in our kids is this feeling of capability. This feeling that, you know what, you may not know how to do the problem, but I believe in you that, that you know you will figure out a way. You'll figure this out. You can do this. So one of the things to deal with the quick quitter is I, I'm a yes parent. I like to help right away. So I would leave the room for like five minutes, like just go use the bathroom, go check on the dog, any sort of excuse you can imagine just to get out of there. So like you don't feel like you need to jump in and help right away. Um, and then if it's something like in a problem, math, for example, one of my favorite, favorite questions to ask for math is I'm like, well, where have you seen a problem like this? And usually in math, they do a lesson in class and they have problems exactly corresponding to homework. And so hopefully your child's like, oh, I, uh, I did this one. This one was like it. And they can go back and like, okay, well, what did you do first? What did you do second? And they'll take you through the steps and you're kind of just guiding them instead of giving them the answers. So that's the quick quitter. The perfectionist is the second one. And uh, my daughter is definitely a perfectionist. I am a perfectionist. They are the ones who view mistakes as the absolute devil. Like perfectionists are so scared of getting anything wrong and it paralyzes them. Um, it stops them from taking action. Uh, so one thing to help perfectionists is to teach them about mindset, fixed mindset versus growth mindset. Most perfectionists, they, they're in the fixed mindset area. They think that they are as smart as they're ever going to be. And every single challenge that they come across is like an indication that they are dumb and that they don't know how to do it. Whereas the growth mindset believes the mind's a muscle and every challenge is just a way to work the mind and be stronger. And simply talking about these mindsets have been shown to help kids move from the fixed mindset to the growth mindset. So that's the perfectionist. The third is the emotionally overloaded kid. And I named that after my own son because that is what I was experiencing every day with his homework. He would, uh, he would just have tantrums. He would break down and cry. There would be screaming. His emotions were just so big that he couldn't think his way through his homework. And, you know, when we get so emotional and so upset, like our brains just shut down and we have no capability of rational thought. So with the emotional overloaded kid, it's important to take breaks, particularly with my child and what has worked with many more is when he went into tantrums, I would just close up his homework and I'd be like, it's not the time to do this. And when I first did that, oh my gosh, the outburst got even bigger and stronger. He like stomped up the stairs, slammed the door of his room. Um, when he came down like 30 minutes later, he was like, okay. And it got better and better and better. So that's the emotionally overloaded kid. And then the fourth one is the oblivious dreamer. They're the ones who don't seem to be motivated or about anything. They're the ones when parents are saying like, they don't care about homework. That's an oblivious dreamer you got on your hands. And sometimes oblivious dreamers are, are just perfectionists in hiding. They don't want to make a mistake, but sometimes oblivious dreamers just need like another reward. Like they need something else that really motivates them to get the homework done. They need to connect it to something. So that's where like you can give your child a choice and like, okay, well, when you want to do your homework, where do you want to do your homework? Or what kind of reward do you want to give yourself? for getting your homework done. And that's a huge distinction, like not rewarding the oblivious dreamer like you're giving them 
rewards. It's them giving themselves rewards for like a job well done. Uh, so those are the four homework personalities that I found in the book. I love it. I'm sure that people listening will see their child and if you have multiple children in, in the different <laughs> buckets. And I was just listening to you thinking that also sometimes my kids go between those types of, you know, personalities. It depends on the subject or the day even. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think that kids could have more than one of those personalities for sure. Yeah, for me, what we do in our house is there's just a ritual routine where the kids, they do their homework at our kitchen island while I'm cooking. And I think that everyone actually really enjoys it because... I'm available, but I'm not, you know, hovering and I'm not, you know, if they need me to sit one-on-one, I will. But otherwise it's just sort of like, I'm there. They can check in, they can ask me a question, but you know, it's, it's my way of sort of spending time with them, seeing what they're doing and truly getting what I need to get done. So that's how we do it. I mean, it's funny because sometimes my husband will say, you know, this isn't the way that I did homework when I was a kid. I, we had desks in our room And I think they should be in quiet moments. And my seventh grader, I have a seventh grade daughter, will say, no, if I just go up there, I'm just going to be distracted. I'm just going to stare out the window. I'm just going to go look at other tabs on my computer and I'm not going to do it. So it is interesting how personality and our history, which you talk a little bit about in the book, like our own history with homework plays a part in how we parent around it. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And it's so funny because I totally identify with your daughter. I am the same way when it comes to work. Put me in a quiet environment and my brain goes every which way. But if you have like that little bit of noise and that little bit of kind of commotion that you have to block out, it makes it easier to focus on the work. And it totally depends on the person. Yeah, I I do agree. I have been missing lately, like just the ability if I have time in between meetings or something to like sit at a Starbucks and you know, get some things done with a little hustle and bustle going around. I like that. I used to write at coffee shops. Like that's how I wrote this book. I went to a coffee shop every morning and I wrote for two hours and I wasn't able to come home until I wrote my 2000 words. And I miss that. I miss that so much. I know. I think, I think it's good that we just talked about that because I think that sometimes for some parents, they are going to have this, um, their own mindset or their own vision of how, you know, after school should go. And they might be thinking that they should be in a quiet environment that has fewer distractions so they can get their work done. But then if we take a step back and think about our own habits, you know, maybe we don't do really do that. And we would kind of go crazy doing that. So I think, you know, for some kids, they might need an environment like that with little distraction. But they also think there's a lot of kids who can function totally fine, kind of in the middle of the house. Well, stuff and life is going on. So, you know, the name of the game, I think is to be flexible, right? To know your kid, use some of these tips and be flexible. How do you think that COVID and remote learning has affected homework time? Like how, and how are parent dynamics around just work in the house going with kids? So, I mean, we are in a strange, strange time with COVID. Nothing, we have no experience to draw from for this scenario. And especially with remote learning, I mean, in in in-person learning, which is so funny, we were just talking the other day, how we never had that term before COVID, in-person learning. Like, who would have thought? (laughs) But in-person learning, uh, the teacher's responsible to monitor, like, the engagement of the students. 
And as a teacher in the classroom all the time, like I would monitor like my instruction or my energy level based on how I saw the kids reacting. And so the teachers are kind of like, they have their hands tied in this situation because all they have is a Zoom screen and they could see what's going on there a little bit, but not much. And so parents have taken on a lot of that responsibility for engaging kids and for keeping them responsible for like their schoolwork. Now, it really depends on the school situation. It depends on how the school is handling remote learning or in-person learning. But what I've seen through COVID is also kind of an opportunity more than a disadvantage. Uh, yeah, we, we definitely have our drawbacks and people go into a million store, like things about those. But if we look at the opportunities we have, and one of the things that I've drawn upon is to make my kids more self-sufficient and to help them advocate for themselves more. Because in remote learning, like they would come up with issues that they couldn't like address the teacher with right there, such as my daughter who's in middle school, like she got a bad grade in an assignment and she's like, she won't let me take it again. I don't know what to do. And I'm like, well, have you talked to the teacher? And she's like, no, no, she won't understand. And so we sat down together and I helped her write an email and she sent her first email to the teacher like back in September or August. And since then, she now communicates with her teachers through email. And I say this about my middle schooler, but then I did the same thing with my second grader. And he needs a little more of my help writing emails to the teacher and telling the teacher what he needs. Usually it falls on, he'll say, hey, can you tell Miss Mylot that this happened? And I'm like, sure, I will give her a quick email to tell her what's going on. But now he's more aware of how to advocate for himself because of this COVID situation and he hasn't been in the classroom and the teacher can't see exactly what's going on. He now is learning that skill to communicate what's going on with him to someone who can't see it, which I think is extremely valuable. So yeah, dynamics have changed, but there's also incredible opportunity in the situation that we're in right now. I, I agree. I think, um, I think that's a good point about kids have been put in a situation where they have to advocate for themselves. And I do also notice that teachers are also telling kids, just contact me directly, just send me an email or put it in the chat box or things like that, where when we break down all the different things they've had to do during COVID, that's different too. Like I not only have to think about what my need is, but for the most part, I have to write it and I have mm -hmm. to, you know, be able to communicate in a way that's really different than just raising your hand in class and, and asking questions. So yeah, those are some good insights. And I think that all of our, all of our learning around how this has affected just homework and work in general is going to keep coming to light in the next year or two, you know, mm -hmm. as things continue to open up. So I love the way that you end your book, which is around routines, you know, giving, you have these secrets that you talk about that you you share with the reader. So can you tell us what you think homework routines should look like, how to set them and what your secrets are around making those successful? Sure, so the secrets came uh, from my experience with my daughter when she entered kindergarten, how she went from crying on the couch and like it was me being a constant cheerleader to try to get her homework done to actually doing it by herself. Like these were the things that we looked at and then we put in place and this is what changed the entire game. Uh, and the first one is uh, we created a central space for supplies. And for elementary schoolers, I like to call this the homework box. 
Uh, the homework box is where they find pencils, where they find crayons, where they find a pencil sharpener, but it's not maintained by me. It is not my responsibility to keep stuff in the homework box. It is my kid's responsibility to keep stuff in that homework box. So we have a little list on the lid of the homework box where it lists what's in it and they've helped stock it. They went and picked out their homework box from Target. They picked out their pencils and supplies. So it's all them. And then they were responsible for checking at the end of each homework session that those were in there. And that's just how we started it out. Like they don't, they don't check off their homework box right now, but I needed to teach them. And like, as teachers, we, we call it, we train our students to uh, to follow the routine of just making sure that everything is put away. And that's a great way to start that routine. And that applies, I think, to any age a kid. I think as they get older, they might need other things in their like homework box, but they can always, it's like help with organization and being prepared. Oh, definitely. Like middle schoolers in particular, like we have um, at No Guilt Mom, we have two courses, Homework 911, which teaches this to elementary schoolers and Homework Mastery, which teaches it to middle schoolers. And with middle schoolers, the biggest organization issue is finding assignments and turning assignments in. And so with them, their organization is more to do with kind of a paper management system and a binder and keeping those things together in class. Uh, so it definitely looks different for each grade level. Oh, wait, and before then, you tell the next secret, I that just made oh, me yeah. think of another question I have. What do you think about parent portals and how often they should be checking them for grades and turned in homework and missing assignments. This is a hot topic in my house right now. Okay. I never check the parent portal ever. Like I, I don't even, like I rely on my kids to check the parent portal and to tell me what they have missing. Um, sometimes with remote learning, like I'll get the occasional email from my son's teacher being like, Hey, it's missing assignment. And then I print out the email and I give them that email directly. Like I, I take myself out of it. Um, the thing with that is that I, I put my trust in my kids that they are going to tell me when they have issues at school. Uh, and that's hard for for many families to go from like checking all the time to not checking at all. But I think the way that we do it is we don't put a big emphasis on grades. Like um, I was one of those students where it's like, oh my gosh, I need to get an ARB. I need to get an ARB. And I would like fall like sleepless nights over it and it would just stress me out so badly and I was a I was a fairly good student like in the A's and B's category but in terms of grades like they just don't matter they're like someone's subjective interpretation of the work you did is how I view it and I'm trying to get my kids to have more intrinsic motivation than be driven by the extrinsic motivation the outside of grades so what we do is like even when they bring home a good grade we're like how do you feel about that? And like my husband and I try to keep the straight face and we don't try to show like any like, oh, you got an A, even though that's kind of our big instinct. We're just like, how do you feel about that? And they're like, I feel good about that. I'm like, good, good. We're glad you feel about that. Good about that. And then they'll bring another grade home and they'll be like, oh, mom, I have a D in this and I don't know what to do. I'm like, okay, well, what's your plan? What are you going to do? <laughs> And so she's like, I don't know. And we help them walk through it that way. So I think one of the big things not to check the parent portal is uh, just to take the emphasis off grades. And uh, I love that. I'm, I'm, in, uh, I'm in deep thought as you're, as you're talking because like there's just something so simple that you just said that it's like, yeah, I can't believe I haven't done, which is just simply to say, oh, even like, let's say I do a compromise between what you're doing, which is don't check the parent portal 
And, mm-hmm. you know, some parents check it. Lots of parents that I know check it daily. I check it probably every other Friday, right? Like, mm-hmm. So I probably check it twice a month. But I love the idea. Like when I checked it in January for my middle schooler, she had not so great grades and um, several missing assignments. And they were remote. It's the only month they were remote from Thanksgiving to New Year's. And clearly that's not a great model. She's been in school other than that. It's not a great model for her. Mm -hmm. She had a lot of missing assignments. And so I've taken it on. Like I've taken it on. Like I checked your parent portal. It still says you're missing that blah, blah, blah. And so I just from listening to you, I'm like, I don't have to do that. I could just print it out and say, oh, just so you know, I printed out the report of things that are um, do and not do and act very neutral about it. I think that's hard for a lot of people. Um, there's a sense of, yeah, I mean, there's a control you're giving up, right? Cause I check it almost on Fridays on purpose. Cause I say, if you have missing assignments due, then don't think that we're doing anything great or fun this weekend. You have to get these things done before we do, you know, it's pretty like, I don't check that often, but when I do, if you've got missing stuff, do whatever we've got this weekend might not happen. Like maybe mm-hmm. we won't go, you know, whatever skiing, maybe we won't. And so I like, I really like that idea as simple as it sounded when it came out of your mouth, but I haven't done it, which is just to make it, it's just a data point. That's not mine. It's, it's not point. my subjective. I didn't grade it. No. I didn't assign it either. You know, it's just, this mm-hmm. is a data point you might want to take a look at. It is a little scary. Yeah, you might want to take a look at it. Yeah. And I use, um, I use a lot of when thens with my kids. So at the beginning of remote learning, when, uh, my son was having so much trouble getting his assignments done and not acclimating at all to it. Um, I knew he was capable of doing it, but, uh, he was just pushing back so bad. Um, I would be like, I would do a when then I'm like, okay, when, when the assignments are done, then we're going to go to the park. So I'm really excited to go to the park. Uh, and then just leave it like that. Uh, so it's neutral. It's not like, it, it's not saying like, oh, you do this, you know, it's saying when this happens, then this happens and keeping it all as even keel as I can. It's very hard for me. It's very hard. Yeah. But you really do make it sound very um, doable. And I think if, you know, this is for the encouragement for parents who are listening, I think if this sounds a little bit scary to you or you think, oh my gosh, I have the kind of kid, if I don't stay on them, they'd probably, you know, fail everything or not submit everything. Like this is the year, I think, to experiment a little bit with that because Mm -hmm. it's such an unusual, unprecedented year. And so it's just a good time to kind of relook at how we're parenting through not just maybe homework, but even grade management, you know, report cards, things like that. I have loved talking to you. I always say in another life, I want to come back as a teacher. Um, (laughs) It's it's uh, fun. (laughs) It is fun. So you get to do a little bit of everything. And I will tell people um, that there are more secrets that you end the book with on setting routine that are Mm -hmm. just like everything you've shared today, very practical um, and very helpful. So again, your book, so we add that to your bio accolades, is the author. You are the author of (laughs) Drama-Free Homework, A Parent's Guide to Eliminating Homework Battles and Raising Focused Kids. Who doesn't want that? Thank you so much for coming on today. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a blast. It has been great. Thanks so much. So thank you for listening to Dr. Cheryl's podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe, and let us know what you thought. Bye-bye.